witches. I'm Felicia. And I'm Holly. Join us as we embark on a journey to discover the ins and outs of witchcraft and what it means to be a witch in today's world. Grab your grimoires, your crystals, and a hot cup of tea, and let's get get spooky. Well, hey, Felicia. Hey, girl. How are you? How you doing? I'm good. Good. Good, good. good. Well, um, having... For having a week right i was gonna say for uh the listeners um you're not privy to the 26 minutes pre-show catch-up that we do <laughs> so that these intros aren't 45 minutes long could have a whole episodes of us just saying hello to each other we should just do that for the patreon <laughs> it's a great idea uncut un unedited just like our our whole preamble i don't know if we should put our, all of our conversations on the internet so a lot of people would be real mad about it they'd have to pay for it first so <laughs> i guess if you're paying to be mad you can be mad <laughs> be mad all you want that's like those people that pay for only fan subscriptions just to hate watch it yeah okay <laughs> go buy sure yeah go buy all my shit you know what you should do you should buy all my merch and burn it <laughs> <laughs> buy a case of my beer just to smash them do it <laughs> go Please. hard do it mm, you should- that hurts my wallet <laughs> wow <laughs> oh no go market me for free for six months damn it <laughs> You said you're not going to buy it anymore, but you bought, you just bought more. Oh, no. <laughs> you just keep doing it. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> it's true, okay. though. Well, a uh, little pre-warning here. One, I am uh, coming down with a bit of a cold. I'm a little... <laughs> a little, <laughs> a little, little dry. A little dry. A little, <laughs> little raspy. Um, and also there's a very real possibility that you will hear dogs barking in the background of my talking today because I just got a new puppy. Yay! So, <laughs> yay! His name is Frank and he is adorable. That is all. He is so cute. <laughs> he is so <laughs> cute. So, yeah. Uh, but I'm sure we'll hear him in Knox at some point. Oh, if not, if not today, when? <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> Yeah, sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it will happen. I love it. <laughs> but uh yeah, anything any news with you, friend? Oh sure. Girl, you and I have to have like a 30 minute post show today. Okay. To catch okay. up on my half. <laughs> All right. Cause like we, we only talked about me so far, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a fucking shit show <laughs> in my life yeah. the last two weeks shit show i mean like absolute fucking shit show <laughs> oh i can't wait to hear okay so you know how sometimes I can't wait. You know, <laughs> like i mean bitch from every fucking angle from work from life from fucking family from fucking every oh, angle family I got that too. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got a story for you, my friend. Same dog. <laughs> I got a few. <laughs> I love it. We'll talk. We'll talk after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, I got lots of stuff to talk about, but we won't bore everybody with the details. No. I mean, it's not boring. So. <laughs> oh, good shit. <laughs> good shit. 
Um, you know what? Before we get into this episode, I do want to just kind of preface it as well with the possibility that we might be going to bi-weekly episodes. Yeah. For the time being. Um, we still got to talk about it a little bit on that. Yeah. But uh, it's a very real possibility if Leisha starts getting overwhelmed with school or if I start getting overwhelmed with life or school or all of the whatever other else we do. might happen here. We're humans. We're people. We have full fulfilling lives outside of the podcast and sometimes we need to make decisions on what needs to take precedence and at this point in time the podcast is not high on the list yeah it just isn't yeah well as much as we love you all and we love the support yeah and we love talking to each other Mm -hmm. life gets busy sometimes yeah it is what it is well and i think the thing too is is honestly i think there is something really like to be said about like understanding your capacity and boundaries and the thing Mm -hmm. is is that like we've talked about it quite a few times here on the podcast but like we started this podcast as a way to like enjoy something together again as well as like find a new side of our friendship and like rebuild like the love that we've always had for one another and like this is our thing right and this was never meant to become something that either of us are like stressed about or worried about or like fighting about or anything and i think if we like push ourselves way too far it has the opportunity to turn into that which is not something i want because like i thoroughly enjoy the time we spend together as much time and work as it is to prepare these episodes like actually doing these with you is like probably like the best hour to couple hours of my week Yes, yeah. I agree fully. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. So I don't ever want it to become something where either of us have like <laughs> any kind of resentment towards it, you know? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. if that means doing biweekly episodes instead of weekly episodes until our lives are more normal again, so be it. Too, yeah. too fucking bad. <laughs> it just, it it is what it is sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it, it really do be like that. It really do. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all for sticking with us but uh yeah like holly said we have big things going on in life right now that uh yeah yeah that need our attention regardless of the big things in life you know what is always going to be the same what our listeners whispers episode (laughs) oh girl and how we are going to continue doing them quarterly meaning our next listeners whispers episode is coming out at the end of september oh yeah da 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 Send in your spooky stories to get featured. Bring the spook. (laughs) Bring the spook. I want heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Especially heading into spooky season. Around these parts, y'all, spooky season starts early September 1st and goes until (laughs) mid-November. So I'm already mid-spooky. Yeah, same girl. I am here, man. I am already there. (laughs) Spooky season starts the day after the summer solstice. I fucking tell you what. Yeah. Oh, the days are no longer getting longer. Must be spooky season. <laughs> oh, the days are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Holly King is taking over his reign. <laughs> yeah. Spooky season has begun. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is Halloween. <laughs> it's actually funny you say that just really quickly um, because I have to show you what I bought the other day in the middle of july and you're gonna love it okay i just texted it to you if you get it any second now. great i am excited holly you can you can describe it <laughs> what is it? oh my god okay i will describe it 
wacky, wavy, inflatable arm flailing tube man, but make it oogie boogie. <laughs> it's twelve. Right? It's twelve feet tall. That's incredible. Yeah, and he's got little little flappies off his arms. Yeah, that's fun. And so he like <laughs> he like waves in the wind. <laughs> but yeah, so I looked like a fucking crackpot setting that up in the middle of my driveway on July 9th. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that for you, though, honestly. <laughs> I wanted to see what so, it looked like. <laughs> no, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. No, I can't. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know where y'all <laughs> my neighbors were looking at me like I was fucking crazy. And I was like, don't think I don't know where you're going to be October 31st. You're going to be here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we have the big candy bars. Yes. Full size pops. (laughs) All right. Well, now that uh, now that that's out of the way, let's get into this week's episode. Let's do it. So this week we are covering a person. Ooh, back to people. We're doing a person, a a mystic, if you will. Okay. Who we're covering today may have been either a miraculous faith healer and spiritualist or a dangerously charismatic charlatan. Ooh. It is up to you to decide which is true as we go through the incredible life and times of Grigory Yefimovich Novik. Damn, dog. Also known as the Mad Monk or the Debauched One. Debauched one. But my personal favorite moniker for this man came to be known quite a while after his death and was first coined by the band Boney M. Mm. And as he is well known as today as the lover of the Russian queen. (laughs) Rasputin. Rasputin. Lover of the Russian queen. So many years ago. <laughs> That's right, bitch. Rasputin. We're covering Rasputin. Nice. So let's fucking go. Yeah. Let's over to Russia. He what a name he's got, hey? Rasputin. Yeah. Rasputin. No, I mean um, like his Gregory Pananovich. Yeah. Grigory Yefimovich Novik. Yeah. Yeah. So Yefimovich is I think his father's first name yeah it's very common in in that culture like in um eastern european culture to use the father's middle or father's first name as a middle Middle name name for children yep just like my dad and all of his siblings have ernie for their middle names yes so yeah seven (laughs) first five five brothers all with ernie middle names yeah fair it's it's a long yeah. It's how the Europeans do. It it just is how how it is. It is what it is. So let's get into Rasputin's life. Okay. Let's do it. Not I will say, not a lot is known about his early life. Fair. At least not like not- Aleister Crowley. Yeah. Not like Aleister Crowley had a a huge influence on the occult space by like his writings and just all this different stuff. And he recorded his own life you know what i mean he wrote a lot of self-published biographies yep and his like Um, theoretical knowledge and what he discerned to be the truths of life in the universe and very thorough journal taking as well right yeah so we knew alistair crowley's early 
early life very well. Yep. Rasputin, not so much. <laughs> Rasputin was born a peasant in the small village of Pokrovskoye along the Tura River in the Tobolsk Governorate. God damn, dog. <laughs> basically, it's the Tobolsk province, basically. Okay. Um, so that region is now known as Tiumen Oblast. Um, and it was located in the Russian Empire. Okay. According to official records, Rasputin was born mid-January 1869 mm-hmm. and was christened the day after his birth. Okay. There are... On it, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> the day after. Yeah. Gotta get that Orthodox Christian or Orthodox Catholic christening done. Right? Yeah. There are few records of Rasputin's parents. His father, Yefim, was a peasant farmer and church elder who had been born in Pokrovskoye in 1842 and married Rasputin's mother, Anna Parshukova, in 1863. Okay. So, yeah. They're like 18-ish. Yeah. Yefim also worked as a government courier ferrying people and goods between Tobolsk and Tumen. Very cool. Fun. Uh, the couple had sev- seven other children. Jeez. Seven. And all of them died either in infancy or early childhood. Oh, that's sad. And it is believed that there may have been a ninth child named Theodosia. According to historian Joseph T. Furman, Rasputin was certainly close to Theodosia, and was godfather to her children. But the records that have survived do not really show any more than that. Doesn't show us whether they were directly related or okay. if they were just close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. There's some kind of lineage there, but just not totally sure what the lineage is. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot about Rasputin's life that is kind of in conflict between historians. Yeah. Like, like certain dates are in conflict or certain orders of events are in conflict with each other. Okay. Like yep. even even the most basic, like from Wikipedia to Britannica Encyclopedia. Yeah. Like these are like the bo- most commonly used items for, yeah. for this, right? Used sources for this. And even between them, glaring differences. Yeah. Fair. Glaring diff- discrepancies in the timelines and stuff. So yep. if I get stuff wrong on this... I'm sorry. Yeah. Blame Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Blame the internet. <laughs> okay. Uh, according to historian Douglas Smith, Rasputin's youth and early childhood are, quote, a black hole about which we know almost nothing. Fair. Though the lack of reliable sources and information did not stop others from fabricating stories about Rasputin's parents and his youth after his rise to prominence. Well, so makes, this is again, yeah, it makes lending so much to sense. those discrepancies. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like it, everything's like legend. You know what I mean? Like, think of it mm-hmm. like the telephone game, and like the amount of the amount of quote unquote fame that this man achieved by the end of his life, or how yeah. infamous he was by the infamy end. Infamy is yeah. probably the better. Phrase, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How infamous he was by the end of his life, like. Could they, could you imagine the amount of stories that were circulating about him for like no. years and years and years and years? And there was probably like four percent of it was true. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, even well, we'll get into it a little bit later. But even like if he was doing unsavory things, his 
status in the royal court of the Russian czar. Yeah. Is, I mean, he has the power to kind of wipe records away. Oh, yeah. For things, right? Gone. So, See ya. Finito. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yep. So even if they were recorded, if any, if they ever actually made it out, <laughs> questionable. And exactly. then, also, let's not talk about the fall of the Russian Empire, where, mm-hmm. like, I'm sure a bunch of documentation also got destroyed. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? So, so. Makes sense. History's that funny tracks. like that. <laughs> that tracks, isn't it? Yeah. So, historians agree, however, that, like, most Serbian peasants... Including his mother and father, Rasputin was not formally educated and remained illiterate well into his early adulthood. Yeah. So this is also lending to the lack of information about his childhood because he literally just could not write about it. No. Right? How? How? Local archival records suggest that he had a somewhat unruly youth, like all the best ones. Of course. Um, Of course, involving drinking, petty thefts. Uh, disrespectful local authorities, the huge, yeah, the like, usual well, teenage rebellion. <laughs> Welcome to the club, girl. <laughs> but later on in his life, he is accused of like stealing horses and blasphemy and bearing false witness, which are all like major crimes. Yeah, yeah. But there's no, there was no evidence of that in the archival records that are held that of him of from okay. his youth. Yep. Yeah. Although he attended school, he did continue to remain illiterate. And his reputation for licentiousness mm-hmm. earned him the surname Rasputin, which was Russian for debauched one. Yeah. <laughs> which. Love it. Which is funny because if you look at the etymology of Rasputin, you break it down, you got Ras and you got Putin. Um, Ras is like a different way and Putin is road. Like, okay, so like a different path or different road. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The one that's over there. Yeah. Yeah. And he was very much kind of a wanderer taking different paths, different roads, so on and so forth. Makes sense. In his, you know, early adulthood as well. Right. Um, Speaking of which, in 1886, he traveled to Abalak, about 250 kilometers northeast of Tiumen and 2,800 kilometers east of Moscow. Dang. Where he met a peasant girl named Preskyova Dobrovina. After a courtship of several months, they married in February of 1887. Uh, Preskyova remained in Pokrovskoye throughout Rasputin's later travels and rise to prominence and remained devoted to him until his death. I had no idea. That he was married? Yeah. No idea. Fully married. That- what? Yeah. Either the I couple didn't pay had... attention in the ninth grade or I never learned that. <laughs> well, you know what? Both. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> the couple had seven children, though only three survived to adulthood. So uh, their oldest was Dimitri, who was born in, ni- er, in 1895. Maria, born in 1898. And Varvara, born in 1900. Okay. Okay. Fun fact. Maria... It, as an adult, <laughs> became a circus performer. Incredible. <laughs> like a 1920s circus performer. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Isn't that so fun? She immigrates to France after the October Revolution. Of course it's fucking France. 
and then to the United States. And in the United States, she worked as a dancer and then a lion tamer in the circus. Crazy. Wild. I bet you she picked up some skills in France. The fucking, Probably. The fucking circuses in France in the 1920s. Whoa. Wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> Very cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> Fun fact of the day. <laughs> in 1897, Rasputin developed a renewed interest in religion and left Pokrovskoy to go on a pilgrimage. His reasons for this pr- pilgrimage are unclear. According to some sources, he left the village to escape punishment for stealing someone's horse. Okay. Um, other sources suggest that Ras- that he had a-, a vision of the Virgin Mary or of St. Simon or still others suggest that his pilgrimage was inspired by a young theological student. Um, yeah. They don't know. Yeah, yeah. But he left. <laughs> he peaced the fuck out. Yeah. His wife was pregnant. His wife was pregnant with Maria and he was like, I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. um, maybe that's why I didn't know that he had a wife. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem According- like he remembered he had a wife either. <laughs> Sorry. So according to Smith, who we kind of touched on earlier, his decision could, quote, only have been occasioned by some sort of emotional or spiritual crisis. <laughs> He's gone fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's called your wife is pregnant and she's not happy about it. Yeah, it's called. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's what I think, because you know who else did that? Fucking Crowley. Yeah. So. A bunch of other men. Like, <laughs> oh, you're pregnant and fucking crazy? I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I'm not doing this. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Put t- a baby in you and all of a sudden you want to rip my balls off. Yeah. Fuck. Tails, <laughs> tail as old as time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. If I had to go through pregnancy, I'd hate my husband too. So. I'd hate everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fully. Don't blame her. <laughs> Anyways. This is not the first time that Rasputin had left his, his you know, family, family? village. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He had t- taken earlier and shorter pr- pilgrimages before this, where he went to the Holy Zan- Zanmenensky Monastery at Abalak and to Tobolsk Cathedral. But his visit to the St. Nicholas Monastery in Verkhotsoye in 1897 transformed him okay there he met and was profoundly humbled by an elder known as makari nice it is said that rasputin may have spent several months at verkotoye and it was perhaps here that he learned to read and write oh that's fantastic Mm -hmm. okay well i mean like not cool to leave your family, but like at least you did something. At least you're bettering yourself yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Also, it's a great thing that, that you got humbled. <laughs> it seems like yeah. he needed it. However, he later claimed that some of the monks at Verkotoye engaged in homosexuality and criticized monastic life as too coercive. <laughs> so the life of a monk is a little too, little too haughty for him. Um. For him. What were you expecting? <laughs> I don't know. So he returned to Pokorovsky. There a is too much man. butt play. I am leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but he comes back into a completely changed man. He looks disheveled and he's begun behaving differently. Okay. He became a vegetarian. He stopped drinking alcohol and prayed and sang much more fervently than he had in the past. 
Okay. Interesting. The years following this, he wandered. He kind of just became a holy wanderer or a pilgrim, also known as a stranic, leaving Pokrovsky for months or even years at a time to wander the country and visit a variety of holy sites. Do you know how fucking mad I would be if that was my husband? (laughs) Sorry. I know this whole episode is about him, but all I can think about is like being at home with those goddamn kids and like, you're like, where's your husband? You're like, I don't know. He's some kind of fucking religious wanderer. He had like some kind of fucking epiphany and just like, I don't know, decided he wasn't in this. Devoted her whole <laughs> life to him. Honestly. Can you believe that? Bitch. I <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> like, Absolutely not. Until this man died, girl. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> How many times does this man have to show you he doesn't give a fuck? <laughs> Anyway, right? sorry. The feminist in me was like, fuck this dude. <laughs> it is said that he even wandered as far as Mount Athos, the center of Eastern Orthodox monastic life Okay, in 1900. And Mount Athos is like real far. It's a long ways. <laughs> it's a real Fantas- long fantastic ways. Fantastic unit of measurement. I know exactly how far that is. I thought you were going to say like kilometers. The way your face was, you're like, it's like real far. Real fucking far. All right. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now it's real far. Okay. I don't actually know. That's okay. (laughs) I think it's in Greece. It's fucking far. Either way. If it's in fucking Greece, that's wild. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's fucking far. (laughs) It's a mountain on the Athos Peninsula in northeastern Greece. Yeah, that's fucking far. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Real far. Real far. You're right. (laughs) Fair enough. Not lying. (laughs) This man's just out here in fucking Greece. I'm at home with these kids. Yeah, right. So through his travelings and all this, he developed a small circle of followers by the early 1900s. Okay. This circle of followers was made up of primarily family members and other local peasants. Was he like and they preaching? W- like was he going and pre- Oh, okay. Yeah. He was okay. going to all these holy places and like learning and preaching. Learning and preaching and showing off his talents as a mystic and like Okay, got he, it. Cuz cuz he he was a mystic. He was very much like a a prophet. He could prophesize and all these things. So fun. Very cool. Okay. Makes sense then why he's like gaining a following. Yes. Yeah. So he had developed small circle of followers. Uh, these followers were primarily family members and other local peasants. And they would pray with him on Sundays and other holy days when he was in his hometown of Pokrovoisky. I don't know why I included this fucking name. So many times. So many times. And I bet you the pronunciation is different every single time, but it's fine. Um. <laughs> In his hometown, he built a makeshift chapel in his father's root cellar because he still lived with him. Kate. <laughs> Just <laughs> carrying on from there um, with his three kids and wife. Wait, Just leaving his three hit, kids and wife at, at his, his dad's, dad's house? house when he's traveling. <laughs> oh, man. I can only assume anyways that he's leaving his kids and wife at his dad's house. Or he like they they're at their house and he like moved back in with his dad while he traveled around. Maybe I don't know. I don't know which one's worse. I don't know. 
I don't know. Either way, not not a good situation. So in this root cellar, root cellar chapel, there were secret meetings, secret prayer meetings held there. Okay. Secret meetings, um, which meetings. were the subject of some suspicion and hostility from the village priests and other villagers. Okay. It was rumored that female followers were ceremonially washing Rasputin before each meeting. <laughs> That the group sang strange songs, and even that Rasputin had joined the Callisti, a religious sect whose ecstatic rituals were rumored to include self-flagellation and sexual orgies. So, do you know what self-flagellation is? Is that masturbation? It is not masturbation. That's what I thought at first, too. I was okay. like, that's a really fun word for masturbation. It's not. It is um, the, the whipping, the self-whipping. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, like getting flogged. Flatulation. Yes. Oh, Flatulation, yeah. Okay, got it. Dang. Shit. <laughs> no king shaming here, but yeah. I mean, dang. I could join the Calisti, you know? <laughs> Just kidding. Get it, bitch. Not for me. <laughs> it was said that Rasputin actually perverted the Calisti beliefs into the doctrine that one was nearest God when feeling quote, holy passionlessness and that the best way to reach such a state was through the sexual exhaustion that came after prolonged debauchery. Okay. I'm I'm trying to like break down what you just said. So feeling powerlessness after holy being... Yeah, so so the feeling of Holy passionlessness. Passionlessness. So that's what it was. Passionlessness. It's, it's the, the sexual exhaustion. So like. Yeah. Yeah. After you get off and you're like, you don't touch me. That's <laughs> that's what he's after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But that, I'm that just like, thing. yeah, I'm like passionlessness. Is that like, yeah, the like, you don't touch me. Yeah. Because when you're saying like the passionlessness after sexual exhaustion, I'm like, isn't that the like, I can't do anything? Like, no, leave me to I, myself. I'm pretty sure it's the you've had so much sex that you're utterly like almost tapped out by it. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Anyways, by reading that holy passionlessness. That's what it seems like. That's what it feels like, right? Yep. I know how to get rid of my sexual urges. I'll have so much sex that I don't want to have sex anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just scratch the itch till it's raw, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see bone. Fuck. That's so funny. Um, there were a lot of investigations like to establish this whole rumor about the Khaleesi beliefs and, and all of this, but all of these investigations failed to establish that Rasputin was even a member of the sect. Okay. And rumors that he was a Khalist appeared to have been unfounded. Okay. According to Wikipedia's article. Okay. Um, according to Britannica's, he was a full-on Khalistist. N- so. Nice. Okay. So he either is or is not. Most exactly. likely is. Yeah. What do you think? Mm. Somewhere li- somewhere in the middle lies the truth? I feel like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in between. Word of Rasputin's activity and charisma began to spread in Siberia during the early 1900s. At some point during this time, he traveled to the city of Kazan, where he acquired a reputation as a wise starets, who was a, a holy wanderer, mm-hmm. an elder, I think. 
who could help people resolve their spiritual crises and anxieties. Okay. Despite rumors that Rasputin was having sex with female followers, <laughs> he made a favorable impression on several local religious leaders. As one does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1903, his wanderings took him to St. Petersburg. Okay. Where he was welcomed by Theophan, inspector of the Religious Academy of St. Petersburg, and Hermogen, bishop of Saratov. Okay, so like high-ranking officials in St. Petersburg. Exactly. Okay. The court circles of St. Petersburg at the time were entertaining themselves by delving into mysticism and the occult. Very cool. And so Rasputin, a filthy, unkept wanderer with brilliant eyes and allegedly extraordinary healing talents, was warmly welcomed. Of course. Of course he was. Of course he was. Well, and I'm sure by this point, by the time he's made it to St. Petersburg, he's probably gained a sizable following. A decent one, for sure. Yeah. Definitely nothing to shirk at, Yeah, right? where, like, I think that, like, the locals would have at least heard of him within mystic circles. Well, and not only that, I think it was very much, like, all of the mystics that they have met prior to this have all been, like, outsiders, right? Whereas... Rasputin is from Russia. He is Fair. a Russian mystic as well, yeah. right? So Born and bred. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yep. Fair. Theophan was so impressed with Rasputin that he invited him to stay in his home. All right. He went on to become one of Rasputin's most important friends in St. Petersburg, gaining him entry to many of the influ- influential salons where the local aristocracy gathered for religious discussions. Very cool. It was through these meetings that Rasputin attracted some of his early and influential followers, many of whom would later turn against him. Oh, those aristocrats aren't so welcoming now, are they, Russian <laughs> lover? By 1905, Rasputin had formed friendships with several members of the aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Aristocracy? Aristocracy. Aristocracy. <laughs> including the black princesses quote-unquote, Militza and Anastasia of Montenegro, who had married cousins of Tsar Nicholas II. Very cool. And were instrumental in introducing Rasputin to the Tsar and his family. Okay. Speaking of, he first met Nicholas in November 1905, they think. Roughly. Someplace. Give or take. Some of them, some historians think sooner, some think later. Okay. Um, at Peterhof Palace. The czar recorded the event in his diary. So, okay, so this one is for sure then if he recorded in his diary. <laughs> Writing that he and his empress consort, Alexandra Feodor- Feodorovina. That's a name, Christ, hey. Feodorovina had, quote, made the acquaintance of a man of God, Grigory, from Tobolsk province. Of course. Unquote. Rasputin returned to Polkrov's Pokrovskoye shortly after their first meeting and did not return to St. Petersburg until July of 1906. Oh, dang. On his return, he sent Nicholas a telegram asking to present the czar with an icon of St. Simon of Verkhotsoye. He met with Nicholas and Alexandra on the 18th of July and again in October when he first met their children. Okay. At some point, Nicholas and Alexandra became convinced that Rasputin possessed the miraculous power to heal their only son, um, Zarevich Alexei Nikolaevich, Alexei, who, suffer- who suffered from 
hemophilia. 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 It's the thin blood disorder. You touch him and he bruises. Hem- yeah. He- hemophil- hem- hemophilia. Hemophilia. I think that's hemophilia. It. Yeah, hemophilia. Bleeding disorder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He hemophilia. Hemophilia. Yeah. Um, when he was actually introduced to Alexia, though, is disputed again with historians. Some think that he was introduced to him in November 1905, while some speculate that it was in October of 1906. Either way, at some point in that realm of give time, or take a couple years, or give or take was, a year. Yeah, he was asked to pray for the health of Alexei. The imperial family's belief in Rasputin's healing powers brought him considerable status and power at the court. Of course, Nicholas appointed Rasputin his lamp lighter charged with keeping the lamps lit before religious icons in the palace oh, wow. which gained him regular access to the palace and imperial family <laughs> fucker hey by december of 1906 he had become close enough to ask a special favor of the czar that he be permitted to change his surname again to rasputin Novi, which is rasputin new new n-e-w yeah so like the new rasputin oh okay i got it basically yep. right uh, he did. Nicholas granted the request, and the name change was speedily processed, suggesting that Rasputin already had the Tsar's favor at that early date. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, if you've got the, if you've got the balls to ask the Tsar a favor, let alone like you know, live near him, stay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Rasputin used his position to full effect, accepting bribes and sexual favors from admirers, and working diligently to expand his influence. <laughs> Excellent. In 1908, he was summoned to the palace of Nicholas and Alexandra during one of their son's bleeding episodes. Some of the he- oh, the hemophilia. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Rasputin succeeded in easing the boy's suffering. Good. Okay. Supposedly. Yeah. Um, some think it's by using his hypnotic powers. He had hypnotic powers, I guess. Okay. Wait, hypnosis, upon- hypnosis can be quite powerful. It can be, definitely. Right? right? So yeah. if he hypnotized him to not feel pain, okay. Sure. All right. I'll take it. And upon leaving the palace, warned the parents that the destiny of both the child and the dynasty were irrevocably linked to him, thereby setting in motion a decade of Rasputin's powerful influence on the imperial family and affairs of state. You know, okay, if you are a healer <laughs> and those things, like I understand the play for power. Mm-hmm. I get it. But uh, it's time just, and place, man. It's so predatory. It's so predatory. Right? And I just hate it, you know? Yeah. But like, I also like part like <laughs> the cunning strategist in me says like fair play. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the compassionate person in me says <laughs> predatory. Right. Yeah. So Rasputin soon became a controversial figure. He was accused by his enemies of religious hearsay and rape and suspected of exerting undue political influence over the Tsar and was even rumored to be having an affair with the Tsarina, the Nicholas's wife. Yeah. But in the presence of the royal family, Rasputin consistently maintained the posture of a humble and holy pe- peasant. Of course. Outside of court, however, he soon fell into his former licentious habits. Preaching that physical contact with his own person had a purifying and healing effect. Oh, of course. With this, he acquired mistresses and attempted to seduce many other women. So if you want to be purified, you just need to touch me. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Midas. (laughs) Like, Mm. yeah. 
can't. Ugh. When I'm just trying to of- reach my holy passionlessness <laughs> through all this uh-huh. sex, this debauchery. <laughs> yeah. Mm, doesn't feel good. No. When accounts of Rasputin's conduct reached the ears of Nicholas, the Tsar refused to believe that he was anything other than a holy man, and Rasputin's accusers found themselves transferred to remote regions of the empire or entirely removed <laughs> from their positions of influence. Imagine that. Wild. The power this man had, though, honestly. Right? Like, yeah. he had the whole Russian empire family by the balls, man. Yeah. He really did. Yeah. By 1911, Rasputin's behavior had become a general scandal. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And the the prime minister, Stolipin, sent the czar a report on Rasputin's misdeeds. (laughs) Like, the prime minister is like, dude, like, open your fucking eyes. Homie, your right-hand man is out here... (laughs) slang and cock left to right please i beg of you please uh. and as a result the czar expelled rasputin oh but alexandra had him returned within a matter of months and this is where like the rumors of them boinkin come from really got fired up right yeah well i i get it right yeah but nicholas anxious not to displease his wife or endanger his son upon whom Rasputin had an obviously beneficial effect, chose to ignore further allegations of wrongdoing. So, like, Nicholas is like, yeah, you know what? He He's really good for Alexei. It's just so good for him. Good for that boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can't, but okay. <laughs> How? This, this man is the luckiest fucking man in the world. <laughs> like... The amount of bullshit he wait, did. Wait. I need to tell you this next bit, and then we're going to talk about how lucky this man was. Okay. During the summer of 1912, Alexei developed a hemorrhage in his thigh and groin after a jolting carriage ride near the Imperial Hunting Grounds, which caused a large hematoma. In severe pain and delirious with fever, the prince appeared close to death. Yeah, makes And in, sense. in desperation, Alexandra asked someone to send... Rasputin, who was back home in Siberia, yeah. a telegram asking him to pray for Alexei. <laughs> no way. Rasputin wrote back quickly, telling the, the Tsarina that God has seen your tears and heard your prayers. Do not grieve. The little one will not die. Do not allow the doctors to bother him too much. The next morning, no way. Alexei's condition was unchanged. But Alexandra was encouraged by the message and regained some hope that he would survive. And then the day after that, his bleeding stopped completely. His doctor. Man. Okay. One of the physicians who attended Alexei, Dr. Fedorov, Fedorov, admitted that the recovery was wholly inexplicable from a medical point of view. (laughs) Later, Dr. Fedorov admitted that Alexandra couldn't be blamed for seeing Rasputin as a miracle man because he would come in, walk up to the patient, look at him, and spit. And then the bleeding would just stop. (laughs) (laughs) How incredible would that be, though? Like, you have to admit, if if I saw that in, like, 19... What? What are we talking? 1912, you said? Uh, Yeah, 1912. If, If I saw that shit in 1912 without really understanding what, like, hematoma was and blood how blood right. works and 
I would be the like, spits oh my god, bleeding? he's Holy a fucking shit. yeah, he's a magician. Yeah, he's yep. a fucking mystic. He's yep. a healer. He is. He a is healer. a magical healer. Yep. So how could the Empress not trust Rasputin after that? Right? Yeah, fair. Yep, makes sense. Historian Robert K. Massey has called Alexei's recovery one of the most mysterious episodes of the whole Rasputin legend. <laughs> yeah, I would fucking True. say so. The cause of the of his recovery is unclear, but Massey speculated that Rasputin's suggestion not to let the doctors disturb Alexei had aided his recovery by allowing him to actually just rest and heal. Yeah. Instead of people fucking with him all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or that his message may have aided Alexi's recovery by calming his mother and reducing stress. her emotional stress and then therefore her yeah. son's stress, right? The other thing, too, is is like placebo effect is fucking mm-hmm. crazy. The things that placebo effect can do. And if you are like in full belief that like this man will heal you with his words, like the mind can do some pretty powerful shit. Right? Yep. So Alexandra believed that Rasputin had performed a miracle and concluded that he was essential to Alexei's survival. But some writers and historians claim that Rasputin stopped Alexei's bleeding on other occasions just through hypnosis alone. Okay. But even still, other historians, including... I don't need to include their names. There's so many. (laughs) There's so many. (laughs) But still, other historians have speculated that Rasputin controlled Alexei's bleeding by disallowing the administration of aspirin. Which is a blood thinner. Which was then widely used to relieve pain, but unknown as an anti-clotting agent until the 1950s. Yeah, so if you have a blood thinning disorder, you cannot use aspirin. Yes. So if they were, if the doctors were injecting him with this blood, this painkiller, because it's a blood clot, what he's getting is he's getting um bleed outs internal bleeding and bruising yeah. in his body yeah and bruises fucking hurt they do yeah well so they're giving him his aspirin to co- help with the pain which is inadvertently causing more bleeding and fucking rasputin comes in like oh don't give them that that medication they won't they won't need it because i'm gonna take the pain away myself yeah which, if and you then, if he could do it through hypnosis, really, he is doing it. Really, he is, right? So if he's taking the pain away through hypnosis, they no longer give him the aspirin. He is no longer getting these exceptional bleed, like internal bleeding because yeah. the aspirin is no longer being administered. His already thin blood is not thinning out more. Yeah. Holy fuck. All of a sudden, this is a miracle healing. It's fair. It would really right? look like a miracle healing. It would. What fucking luck. <laughs> what fucking luck yeah it re- really like, honestly every fucking puzzle piece perfectly fell into place there right that's what i'm it saying does, and it does make sense right like it absolutely like from what we know medically today yeah makes sense the second you said aspirin i was like well yeah bro he's got he's got a disorder that doesn't let him clot blood and then you're gonna give him a blood thinner like, exactly yeah exactly his blood's right? already not clotting <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah crazy that yeah so, what luck you're you're so right, right? the, the mm-hmm. luckiest fucking man alive at the time I, fully yeah not for long um <laughs> <laughs> not much longer after this not much longer after this no um rasputin reached the pinnacle of his power at the russian court after 1915 during world war one nicholas ii took took personal command of his forces and went to the troops on the front. 
leaving Alexandra in charge of Russia's internal affairs. Okay. While Rasputin served as her personal advisor. advisor. Of course. Rasputin's influence ranged from the appointment of church officials to the selection of cabinet ministers, often incompetent opportunists. And he occasionally intervened in military matters to Russia's detriment. Yeah. So he's he's putting his hands in the pie and then just fucking it all up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's he's making big changes that are not having bountiful results. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I bet because he's a mystic and I bet you there was an element of it of him prophesizing. Right. And oh, I can see this and I can, you know. Yeah. Then it doesn't happen. And then. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Though supporting no particular political group, Rasputin was a strong opponent of anyone opposing the autocracy or himself. Yep. On uh, July 12th, 1914, a 33-year-old peasant woman named Chionya Gusava Guseva? attempted to assassinate Rasputin by stabbing him in the stomach outside of his home in Pokrovsky. Oh, wow. That's his hometown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rasputin, because he would come and go. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He didn't stay in St. Petersburg entirely. All the time, he yeah. Would, yeah. Wander. He he did still, you know, he had to have time to make those seven children that only three survived. But yes. he still had to make seven children. You Correct, know? yeah. Possibly nine. <laughs> <laughs> so after she stabbed him in the stomach, he was seriously wounded. And for a time, it was not clear if he would even survive. Okay. After surgery and some time in a hospital, he did make a full recovery he pulled through yeah for now so this woman was a follower of elodor a former priest who had supported rasputin before denouncing his sexual escapades and self-aggrandizement in december of 1911 this person the 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 former priest yeah was a radical conservative and anti-semite oh nice and had been a part of a group of establishment figures who had attempted to drive a wedge between Rasputin and the Imperial family in 1911. Well, he sounds like a good guy. <laughs> sounds so fun. <laughs> so when when this effort failed, Elodor was banished from St. Petersburg and was ultimately defrocked. Yeah, makes sense. Which is a fun, fun word. Well, it is a fun word. <laughs> You're like, am I whipping myself? What am I doing? Am I losing my right? station? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the woman claimed to have acted alone, having read about Rasputin in the newspapers and believing him to be a false prophet and even an antichrist. Well, I mean, th- have you seen photos of him? He does look kind of fucked. Crazy. He looks kind of fucked up. So. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah. Both the police and Rasputin, however, believed that Elodor had instigated the assassination attempt. Elodor fled the country before he could be questioned, and Guseva was found to not be responsible for her actions by reason of insanity. Oh. So that was the... At least they um, were nice to her. So, yeah. Kind yeah, of. Yeah. So that was the attempted assassination. Let's get to the successful one. Okay. A group of nobles led by... um, Wow, all these names. Purish Kevich, Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich, and Prince Felix Yusupov... Yusupov. Decided that Rasputin's influence over Alexandra threatened the Russian empire. Oh, for sure. 
right? Like you have yep. to imagine she probably listened to nobody but him. Oh, absolutely. Especially after her husband's gone because you said he took personal command over his troops. Exactly. So, yep. so he's not there. So nope. like and the next person she probably trusts the most would be him. Yeah. And he's making all these plays that are ending up poorly. Yeah. They concocted a plan in December of 1916 to kill Rasputin, apparently by luring him to Yusupov's palace. Okay. He was murdered during the early morning on December 30th of 1916 at the home of Prince Yusupov. Yusupov. At the Yusupov. home of a prince? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. He died of three gunshot wounds, Jeez. one of which was a close-range shot to his forehead. Oh, my God. Little is certain about his death beyond this, and the circumstances of his death have been the subject of considerable speculation. According to Smith, the historian, uh, what really happened at the Yusupov home on the 17th of December will never be known. Okay, I need to clarify this. I said 30th of December before. It's because Russia at the time used a different calendar than the rest of the world. Okay. So, um... What was the real date? Or the... Not the real date. The old date versus what we would consider today. Old date, 17th of December. Okay. Today, 30th of December. Got it. Okay. 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 Makes sense. Uh, So what really happened at the Yusupov home will never be known. The story that Yusupov recounted in his memoirs, however, has become the most frequently told version of events. This motherfucker just ratted out himself completely entirely. According to Yusupov's account, Rasputin was invited to his palace shortly after midnight and ushered into the basement. Yusupov offered tea and cakes, which had been laced with cyanide. Jesus. After initially refusing the cakes, Rasputin began to eat them and, to Yusupov's surprise, appeared unaffected by the poison. Jesus. (laughs) Well then. Rasputin then asked for some wine... Which had also been poisoned and drank three glasses, but still showed no sign of distress. At around 2.30 a.m., Yusupov excused himself to go upstairs where his fellow conspirators were waiting. He took a revolver from Pavlovich, then returned to the basement and told Rasputin that he'd better look at the crucifix and say a prayer. Jesus. Referring to a crucifix in the room and then shot him once in the chest. Damn, dog. <laughs> the conspirators then drove to Rasputin's apartment with Sukhoten wearing Rasputin's coat and a hat in an attempt oh, to make to it look, look as like though him. he had returned home from that night. Yep. Upon returning to his palace, Yusupov went back to the basement to ensure that Rasputin was dead. Suddenly, Rasputin leaped up and attacked Yusupov. Gee, this man is like the luckiest man Ever. Well, not super. Not super. Like, luckiest man. Well, he's already survived an assassination attempt. This, then this he man gets, is... He got shot in the fucking chest. He <laughs> is a feral cat. After being poisoned by cyanide. He is a feral Russian cat. <laughs> All right? A, a mountain lion, at least. Oh, no, 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 no. He's not a mountain lion. He's a stray-ass fucking tabby <laughs> that has stray. not... That has... Somehow survived 10 winters and is missing an ear. Fucking half of Part its of leg its is gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Borderline looking like a bobcat here. Um, 
fair. And <laughs> Buddy, that's what I'm and, saying. I'm like, like nine lives. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> fucking lootly. Yeah, I just. Yeah, there's not many people you hear about in like 1916 getting shot in the fucking chest. Oh, I, I and know. And then right? leaping up and being able to attack someone. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. And it's not like he was shot in the chest and then immediately attacked him. He, like, was driven to a new location. No, no, no. He wasn't taken to a new location. Oh, okay. Sorry. I the thought you were saying. The conspirators went to a new, new location. location. They left him in the basement. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought they, yeah. like, took him. No, no, no. They they just took his clothes. Ah, uh, okay. I see. And, and dressed one of them. I was like, bro, they dragged his ass to a whole ass new location and then he like <laughs> and then came back. back to fucking life and attacked them. It's like this is no, the no. craziest shit I have ever heard. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> But like still, like a feral cat, like you think like True. here's the thing. A feral cat, you see it on the side of the road, you think it's dead, right? You like go to approach it, maybe get it off the road kind of thing. Runs away. And you go up to it. <laughs> And all of a sudden, they're like, ah! And then, like, he yeah, jumps up and attacks off. you. Yeah, right? Or, or takes off, whatever. Either or. <laughs> Both. Rasputin, the feral cat. Um, <laughs> That's the name of this episode. <laughs> Rasputin, the feral cat. <laughs> like, for real. And he was a wanderer and, like, yeah. traveled around yeah. and gained a following because everyone loves cats. Yeah. He was just a cat, dog. <laughs> He was yeah. just a cat. And he wanted his pleasure when he wanted it. And then he was like, ew, gross. Stop touching me. <laughs> <laughs> he really is a feral cat. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, Rasputin leaped up and attacked Yusupov, who freed himself with some effort and fled upstairs. Okay. Rasputin followed Yusupov into the palace's courtyard, where he was shot by... Purishkovich. He collapsed into a snowbank. Jesus. And then the conspirators wrapped his body in cloth, drove it to Petrovsky Bridge, and dropped it in the Malaya Nevka River. If you tell me this man came back to life after that, I will shit. <laughs> Mm-mm. No, that was it for him. Allegedly. What, no, what a fucking brutal ending, really. I it's get- like, wow. I get like, like they really they really fucking they were not having it with him any mm-mm. longer. And I mean, okay, like I I have read the history books a little bit in regards to like how brutally beaten the Russians got in quite a few yeah. wars. And it was mm-hmm. like the casualties that they had were fucking enormous. Like, the amount of Russians that died in some of these, like, wars in the early 1900s to mid-1900s, you know, World War yeah. One, World War Two era, fucking, it just devastating. Like, yeah. yeah, meanwhile, you have all of these, like, revolutions and these coups going on in the country and, you know, your hierarchy system is collapsing and da-da-da-da. It's all bad. It's it is. Bad. Like, Russia, yeah. was, it was a fuck, fucking tough time to be in Russia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so that i get that like uh, the anger and the fear and the like people wanting the country to do well and thinking like well if he's the person that they can blame for everything going wrong yeah. if Just you will a co- an easy scapegoat yeah right yeah so news of rasputin's murder spread quickly even before his body was found oh. according to smith purishkovich spoke openly 
about the murder to two soldiers and to a policeman who was investigating the reports of shots shortly after the event, <laughs> but urged them not to tell anyone else. Okay. Just snitched on themselves. An investigation, tell the cops, <laughs> but don't tell anyone. An investigation was launched the next morning. The Stock Exchange Gazette read a report of Rasputin's death after a party in one of the most aristocratic homes in the center of the city. Oh. Quote, unquote. On the afternoon of the 30th of December, or 17th of December, 1916. After two workmen discovered blood on the railing of the Petrovsky Bridge and the boot on the ice below, police began searching the area. Keep in mind, this is December. It's fucking December. In Russia. Yeah. The fucking lake, like the river's frozen. The river's frozen. Yeah. That's like dumping a body over the fucking North Saskatchewan River off the high level. Yeah. Literally. What are you doing? It, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Rasputin's body was found under the river ice on the 1st of January. Okay. Approximately 200 meters downstream from the bridge. So I guess he did break the ice. Break the ice, and went under. Yeah. Yeah. Went under 200 meters before probably freezing to the top of the ice. Yeah. Most right? likely. I, I, I can only assume. Yep. The city's senior autopsy surgeon examined the body, and his report was lost. But he later stated that Rasputin's body had shown signs of severe trauma, including three gunshot wounds, one at close range to the forehead, Jesus. a slice wound to his left side, and other injuries, many of which Korostov, the medical examiner, felt had been sustained post-mortem. Post-mortem? Mm-hmm. Wow. He did find a single bullet in Rasputin's body, but stated that it was too badly deformed and of a type too widely used to trace. Makes sense. He found no evidence that Rasputin had been poisoned. Oh. According to both uh, Smith and Furman, Korostov found no water in Rasputin's lungs and reports that Rasputin had been thrown into the water alive were incorrect. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, if there's no water in his lungs, then he wasn't breathing when he went in. No. Some later accounts claim that Rasputin's penis had been severed, Jesus. but the medical examiner found his genitals intact, supposedly. Oh, my. Isn't that wild? That is wild. He had an awful, awful death. Yeah, that's a pretty... Like, they that's really... It's a pretty oof. horrific death. It's like all of his all of his luck just immediately... Gone. Gone in one fell swoop. Yeah. Right? Yeah, on his ninth life. Mm-hmm. And, yep. like, here, you just, like, add some insult to injury here. So, Rasputin was buried on the 2nd of January, and the funeral was attended only by the Imperial family and a few of their intimates. Okay. Rasputin's wife, mistress, and children were not invited. <laughs> what? Big oof. Although his daughters met with the Imperial family at um, Vera Brova's home later that day, the Imperial family planned to build a church over Rasputin's grave site. However, his body was exhumed and burned by a detachment of shol- soldiers. Did you just hear that? I just said, tried to say shoulders instead of soldiers. <laughs> I talked about that last week. How he funny did. is that? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, his body was exhumed and burned by a detachment of soldiers shortly after Nicholas abdicated the throne in March of 1917 so that his grave would not become a rallying point for supporters of the old regime. And then after that, 
So hearkening, though, back to what he's told Nicholas and Alexandra, the Alexi's life. No, no, no. The fate of the the dynasty dynasty is tied to his his life. Shit. Maybe he was a mystic. Maybe he was a mystic. Maybe he was crazy, but maybe he was a mystic. You know, all the good ones are a little crazy, aren't they? Really? They are. (laughs) Or, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, anyways, that is the. uh, And now, and now, who is Rasputin? He is a catchy song (laughs) that we do dances to at weddings. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Right? Or he's the villain in the movie Anastasia. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is wildly incorrect. (laughs) All of it is. I mean, isn't that just wild? Yeah. Yeah. But like talk about talk about like a like a lasting impact. Honestly. On on culture, on pop culture and the world, right? Culture, society, history, everything. He literally went through the history books. Like I mean, maybe not for great things, but like but you, he literally but you think the two of us would be talking about him on a podcast. Wild. A hundred years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two. two. One hundred. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. No. <laughs> 1918 or like 1916 to 2016. Okay. Yeah. hundred and three. Hundred and three, give or take. Yeah. Three years later. Yeah. But yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. How much of that did you remember from history class in grade nine? Um, 40% maybe. Okay. That's yeah. surprisingly more than what I remembered. <laughs> I remembered I remembered specifically the snowbank and getting wrapped it up in a blanket. And I was like, mm, that's it. That's all I remember. In all fairness, though, I did take a Eastern European history class in university as a okay elective so like i learned a little bit more there so it hasn't been as far back that i've heard the stories of him (laughs) fair enough i don't have to reach back to the ninth grade (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i loved it that was fantastic the story of the lover of the russian queen man there was a cat that really was gold yeah or God. I don't know. Either or. <laughs> Both. <laughs> yeah. I, he really did have like a wild impact on Russian history and the occult and mysticism. Yeah, he really did. And yeah. even just on how it was perceived in, in Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Fantastic. Huge. Fantastic episode, my friend. Thanks. You're welcome. I enjoyed that a lot. I, uh, I've been wanting to kind of do a little feature episode on him, but... God, his history is hard. Yeah. It is because they're all different. All these historians are saying different shit. And I'm like, well, pick one. Well, pick one. Pick a lane. Well, that's why you talk about that's the fun thing about learning. I think that's like I think that's what I like the most about this podcast is that you can kind of bring everything to the table Mm -hmm. and kind of make your Mm -hmm. own choice based on it. So if there's anything I got egregiously wrong. Let me know. Let me know. Send us a message on Facebook, on TikTok, on Instagram, Instagram on our email at whatupwitchespodcast at gmail.com. 
gmail.com what up witches pod instagram i think what up witches podcast TikTok. <laughs> exactly yeah variations of what up witches pod yeah all over check the episode so. sources of this episode and they'll all be there you know what else you could do when you're doing that when you're telling me how wrong i was uh send us a spooky story yeah do it <laughs> i agree with holly i think the spookier the better <laughs> I, and the faster the better and that would ease that would ease my hurt in my chest if you were like hey, you got this, this, and this wrong, but also here's a spooky story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's like a, it's like one of those compliment sandwiches, right? You give a, yeah, a compliment and shit. then a criticism and, and then, then a compliment. compliment. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But instead it's, it's shit, spooky story, and then, and then, or sorry, criticism, spooky story, criticism. I'm fine with that too. Yeah. As long as the inside is good. Open faced, an open faced spooky sandwich. story. Yeah. <laughs> Criticism, spooky story. Thank you. At least the bread was good. <laughs> exactly. But seriously. Finish it on a high note. Seriously, though, please do send us your spooky stories because we need them. And you guys like these episodes. We can see that you do, but we need you to continue doing them because they are solely based Dependence. on you. Yeah. 100% dependent on you guys. We so, are your dependents. Yeah. Claim us on your taxes. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't send do us that. a spooky story. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what else you can do in the meantime? <laughs> you can stay spooky. <laughs> Bye.